sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horwardale joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu. Chris. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to you be back. You uh, selfishly took a week off last week. and <laughs> those, those wounds won't heal soon. I, I know. I know I have a lot to make, a lot to make up for here. Um, I, I know I, I frequently take weeks off and, uh, mm. you know, I, I apologize to everyone, especially you. Yeah, around the offices, we call them all unreliable Kana, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I was... It really rolls uh, off the tongue. <laughs> it does, you know, it, it does. Where's all uh, unreliable? Yeah. Well, yeah, that guy, I don't know, probably just screwing around. Look, it's, that's, that, that's a whole other issue for HR. We will talk about that off the air, but... <laughs> Uh, thanks to Matt for filling in last week, and you know, we got to talk about a lot of things, none of them particularly relevant to anything that's going on in the world, and there was a Kevin James game. But now you're back, and uh, and I, we haven't really had the opportunity to do a real NBA draft post-mortem or NBA offseason post-mortem, and that's, that's kind of what I want to do here. I, I want to take a look at not only some of the more interesting draft picks, but some of the more interesting moves this offseason and uh, look at that up against the odds to win the NBA championship at Bavada Sportsbook and you know, see if they line up, if you think the line is good, if they aren't good, should it be higher, should it be lower, what do we think of this team? Let's just let's just get into the NBA a little bit here as I believe we are 10 days away from the NBA preseason kicking off. How weird right. is that? It's crazy. Yeah, like a training camp's open today and it's just been so weird. Yeah, there's it's it's... It feels like we just saw the Lakers win, which we kind of just did. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's just going to be weird. And I know as a as a, you know, living in the city of a team that didn't make the bubble, it's been a very lengthy offseason. But for like mm-hmm. NBA in general, um, it's been so, so short. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly these teams are able to turn around. And, you know, for a league that already trends towards resting players for no reason I, you got to think this year it's going to be amplified tenfold you know i keep hearing everybody talk about that including new philadelphia 76 or danny green who won't shut up about it well at least now wouldn't shut up about it when he and lebron were a thing <laughs> now that now that those boys are broken up that you know danny green really trying to insert himself into the banana boat but <laughs> uh but i think it's kind of crazy because yes it was a short off season but they also had more than an entire NPA offseason to just sit around and rest. Right. And, you know, from like a I think we, we talked about this around the draft too. like the draft felt like it came so quickly after the after the season ended. But really, mm-hmm. like it's been so much longer, you know, it's been forever yeah. for them to scout these guys and to drill down into some of the sources that we've seen, you know, become commonplace in the NFL like it, it seemed like the NBA more than ever, you know, they really did their digging in terms of, um, you know, although we didn't have a March Madness and from our perspective, it was tricky. Like they probably yeah. had more info than they've ever had before. 
Yeah, and I think that kind of manifested itself in a, a relatively uninteresting in terms of surprises draft. Agreed. I totally agree with that. But uh, l- let's dig into this. This first team, we're, we're going alphabetically here. We're definitely not going to hit them all, but we will talk about those that are interesting. And this first team is certainly interesting. All of a sudden, the Atlanta Hawks look like a completely different organization on Shukana. They add Onyeka, Akangwu, and Skylar Mays in the draft. They sign, well, sign and trade for Danilo Gallinari. They add Rajan Rondo. They had Chris Dunn. They had Solomon Hill. And just recently, Bojan Bogdanovic. Boy, this, this Hawks team, like I said, looks really, really good, really, really different. And yet, I, I don't know that the national respect is quite there yet. They, uh, they're they sitting at plus 8,000 at Bavada. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, one theme of this that you'll, we'll talk through is like, you know, potential value and the idea of hedging your bets. And so mm-hmm. plus 8,000 feels like an absolute steal just in terms of like where they should end up, which is they should be a playoff team. I mean, oh, yeah. the excuses are over. They're not going to be resting Trey Young every night. I mean, I I think that <laughs> Trey Young is going to be a very like a total dark horse to be All NBA, you know, first or second team. Mm-hmm. I, I I really think that this is his chance. I'm sure it's not a shocking statement to make. It just it feels like it's time for the star turn, and um, I I think this is they've the team they've built around him and the way you know the types of players they've sort of rid themselves of. And added to this group, I think, is, is going to be really interesting. And then you think of the two first-rounders they had last year as well and adding them to the puzzle. It, you know, they've got a nice young nucleus here that should make their ascent starting this year. Yeah, the Hawks, I, I think they make a legitimate case for having the deepest team in the NBA right now. They're mm-hmm. backups. The, their second unit is Rajon Rondo, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Danilo Gallinari, and Anyeka Okongwu. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about those names, you know, and and Chris Dunn's another one that's in there. He is. Maybe third string. I don't know. There's he, third, He's their, I get probably third string. I guess call him, their, he's their fifth guard. He'll play when Rondo is taking nights off, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're, they've got a really good mix, too, of different minded players. They haven't really gone the direction of two way guys. They've gone yeah. the direction of like, we know which guys fill which niches and which ones can cover up some of our teams, our roster shortcomings. I mean, Trey Young is never going to be confused with being a stellar on ball defender. He, he creates turnovers. He always has. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not going to be someone that can guard like the six, seven new age, you know, multi-positional point guards. And so, yeah. you know, when you add guys like Rondo and done to the mix i mean it gives you a lot of flexibility in that way to hide a guy like trey young so i think in some ways this is like a great test experiment too because the league is turning towards valuing two-way guys much more and the hawks have basically said like we know where our bread is but where these guys breads are buttered essentially and um we're going to try to take advantage of that as best we can so i really like the way I'm, i'm fascinated by how they're able to build this team yeah, in terms of two-way players, all they really have is Cam Reddish, who skews offensive, and DeAndre Hunter, who skews defensive. They right. don't really have that true elite two-way guy, though both of those guys can potentially turn into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, you you know, Gallinari, obviously offense. Bogdanovich, yeah. you know, probably leaning that way as well. And it's so. it's not probably, it's entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Herder's the go. same way. Herder, yep, yep. And so, I, I mean... They're going to be, again, a fascinating case. And in this East, 
Like, I, they have a great chance to not just make the playoffs, but, like, you know, you can steal a lot of wins against some of the bums in this conference. Agreed. Uh, Boston Celtics up next. They add Aaron Neesmith in the draft. They add Peyton Pritchett in the draft. Yeah, Madar. Uh, they signed Tristan Thompson. Signed Jeff Teague. Lose Gordon Hayward. Lose Brad Wanamaker. Is this is this a plus or a negative offseason for the Celtics who find themselves with pretty good NBA championship odds at plus 1,500 at Bavada? Yeah, I mean that's a reflection of the depth of the conference or the lack thereof. But I mm-hmm. think it's I think it's worse. I'm I'm a Gordon Hayward guy. I know that he Me hasn't too. been great, but like you know, just because he costs a lot doesn't make him less of a player. And so yeah, I think they certainly took a step back. I mean, it was a necessary step back given you know the extension that was coming for Tatum. But you know, and and I like Neesmith. I like Neesmith as much as anyone I think I, that I've heard in this draft. But you know, I, that being said, he's not going to do more than probably fill a very niche role this season as a three-point shooter and you know you're just hoping for that I mean who knows and so right um yeah I mean I I feel like this is a a significant step back for the Celtics this offseason and Pritchard's a guy who they get at 26 who's going to play in the NBA for a decade and he's always going to be one of those reliable but not star level players Agree uh, completely. Another player they lost who I think they're going to miss that spark is Ennis Cantor, who's now a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, they they lost those two, and then they add um, they add uh, Jeff Teague, right, is, what you, is who you said? Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I yeah. don't know. That, that's a step. <laughs> not I don't know. That's a step down. So I don't know if they're clearing the decks for, like, maybe another big deal to come through the door at some point, but... Um, I mean, it it doesn't feel like a te- moves that a team makes if they're look that if they believe they're going to win a championship this year. So I would be fading that those odds for the Celtics. Right, they did create a giant trade exception with the Gordon Hayward deal, but right. uh, you know they're the biggest ever, have, right? Uh, at twenty five million, something along those lines. Uh, the Thunder, well, it might be slightly more than that. The Thunder also have a twenty five million dollar trade exception hmm. if they can offload another two point seven million dollars in the uh, in the Al Horford deal. They would be able to use it all, otherwise they lose about ten million of it. But that's going to be something to keep an eye on as I as I keep my fingers crossed that Daryl Morey can somehow find a way to pry Jeff, uh, pr- pardon me, not Jeff Teague, but rather uh, George Hill away from the Thunder. Mm. That'd be uh, nice a, shit. I'm a big George Hill fan. Yeah. But uh, up next, the uh, the Brooklyn Nets, a team who you know I think we all kind of had a feeling that we were going to be talking about a big move, but not really, and because of that. We're not going to spend too much time talking about them here. They get the 57th pick in the draft and Reggie Perry. They uh, add Bruce Brown via trade. They add Landry Shamit via trade, which is probably their big offseason acquisition this year. Yeah, I've long loved Landry Shamit, and I love his fit here, uh, you know, with the Nets. I mean, we'll see, you know, how much Kyrie plays, but if and when he's out, I, I think Shamit's a, a quality, you know, role guy. I guess mm-hmm. even if he is playing, I think that he's a useful piece, so... Yeah, I mean they they don't do anything in the draft, and I, I don't know they they're obviously counting on their two big horses coming back and then seeing what they've got already, which is a fine policy. And they obviously get the new coach, and um, you know that how Nash does theirs is, is going to be the storyline probably other than Kevin Durant. But yeah, I mean I think it's clear that what they decided to do is add you know this role shooter the role shooter in Shamit, and then just. Mm-hmm you know, see what they've got and try to, you know, figure out what roles they need filled around those two guys. 
agree completely. And I guess you look at this completely different if you look at it through the lens of Kevin Durant is also an acquisition to this roster. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is a, another big piece coming, but they don't they don't make the James Harden trade is basically what we're talking about. We yeah. uh, will we'll move on to another really interesting team, the Charlotte Hornets. They add LaMelo Ball number three overall, Vernon Carey 32 and give him the biggest contract ever to a second round pick. Mm-hmm. They add Nick Richards from Kentucky at 42. Excuse me. Grant Ryler uh, at 56, an absolute steal. Uh, they they sign Nate Darling. They sign well, sign and trade for Gordon Hayward. They bring back Bismack Biombo. How do you feel about this Hornets team going into this year as they are all the way down near the bottom of the list at plus 12, uh, plus 1250 at Bavada? I thought last year they were probably the least interesting team in, in the NBA. And yeah. no matter what you think of how good they may or may not be this year, like, They've got a fun-looking roster, in my mm-hmm. mind. I mean, you got LaMelo. Devontae Graham is not a bad player, in my mind. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, and, I, I like Devontae Graham. Is yeah. he, Is he—are you comfortable with him being your starting shooting guard? Because that's effectively what you get here. Yeah, I think he's got to be their off-ball guy with ball coming in, mm-hmm. but um, and so to speak. But I think that there's the opportunity for that. I, they, I think they have to shed a salary, don't they? I could be wrong, they, but when they yeah. added Hayward, I think it's it's pretty tight there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I I love Hayward being added to that. They've got Rozier, right? And so I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's it's at least like they they always seem to overachieve for probably to their detriment. Uh, and so I I kind of get the feeling like this is a team that's going to be competitive towards the bottom end of the playoff hunt. Actually, yeah. If I'm Charlotte, I'm probably hunting on the whole Cody Zeller experiment and just going pure small ball with PJ Washington as my five bridges yeah. is my four Hayward, the three, uh, I guess Devante talk about small ball, six foot shooting guard. And then uh, you get to pair him with a six, 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 seven point guard. So that doesn't hurt in Lamella. but yeah, this is, this is a really fun lineup next year. Yeah, absolutely. First time in a while for them. So good for Charlotte to actually put together some interesting pieces here. Well, Achikana, up next, a team near and dear to your heart, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I will say, I, I, Bavada has a lot of disrespect to to Anshukana-type teams, <laughs> for, for whatever the reason is. I was looking at the uh, the odds to win the NCAA tournament earlier, and I think Wisconsin was tied for like the 14th best odds, along with Florida State and North Carolina, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But the Chicago Bulls... Crazy. Tied for the worst odds to win the NBA championship in all of professional basketball at Bavada at plus 25,000. Wow. Uh, you know, they they add Patrick Williams four. They add uh, Marco Samanic. Samanic. They add Marco Irrelevant at 44. Devon yeah. Dotson is an undrafted free agent. They bring in Garrett Temple. Lose Chris Dunn, Shaq Harrison, Adam Mokaka, who I thought they signed to a two-way, but whatever. I thought so, too. And, and Max Strauss, uh, how do you feel about your Bulls going into the season? I mean, I, I'm surprised they're that low. I like, if anything, they bring back essentially the same team as last year with a significantly better coach, a different front office, and a different perspective. So that alone, to me, makes them. I think they're going to be right there again on the fringe, uh, like mm-hmm. right around where Char- probably better than Charlotte. I mean, if you look at if they're healthy, which is obviously a huge if, like that. They didn't get worse for sure. No. Right? Like you've got Markinen and Porter back and, you know, Wendell Carter maybe someday will play more than like 30 games in a season. And, you know, <laughs> Levine kind of certainly seemed to take the next step and your boy Kobe White. 
you know, in his second year. And it, I mean, I don't really see. And then, you know, say whatever you want about Williams being at a reach, which is fine. I, but like, he's certainly going to play for this team right away. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, they look to me like, you know, a classic eight seed type team, especially with the massive, and I can't underscore this enough, massive improvement <laughs> at head coach. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that they're, I, I think that they're being massively undersold there with that that line. Yeah, to be tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers for the worst odds to win the championship just it seems insulting. There there are worse okay. teams than the Bulls out there. There's no question about that in my mind. Although mm-hmm. the one thing I will say is that I don't know that there is at least on paper other than Cleveland a terrible terrible team going into this season. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, Charlotte isn't going to be a great team, but you know, when you look at all those guys and the way that they've overperformed, like I think that they're they're probably a little bit above that. And I agree. I, I mean, the Bulls aren't. I also don't put the Bulls in that terrible class, though, as you said. I agree. So, yeah, I, I agree. Know. Yeah, they have legitimate basketball players. They have guys who can be all stars if everything breaks right, and that team should not be tied for the worst odds in basketball. But mm-hmm. here we are, and this is an opportunity to uh, you know. To maybe uh, maybe exploit that number a little bit. Yeah, agreed. The uh, the Cavs are up next. This is boring, and we're not going to get into it. They draft Isaac Okoro, they trade for Javale McGee, and they sign Matthew Delvadova. We don't really need to don't really need to talk about the Cavs too much. The Dallas Mavericks up after that. They add Josh Green from Arizona with the number eighteen pick in the draft. Ugh, this one hurts. Tyrell Terry from Stanford mm-hmm. with the number 31 pick in the draft. Tyler Bay with the number 36 pick in the draft. They also acquire Josh Richardson from Philadelphia and James Johnson from Minnesota while signing Wesley Awandu and re-signing J.J. Barea and Willie Cauley-Stein. They lose Seth Curry via trade, lose DeLon Wright via trade, lose Justin Jackson via trade. MKG signs with the Knicks. Courtney Lee's out. Josh Reeves out. How do we feel about a Dallas Mavericks team that does look pretty different heading into next season um and has you know decent nba championship odds plus 2200 at bavada yeah i mean i i would have i think everyone was kind of hoping to see a little bit more of a splash out of the mavs in terms of one significant piece but they've gone the other way and rebuilt essentially everything around luca and porzingis which is fine um I mean, I I don't know. This strikes me as like the transitional off season, you know, mm-hmm. like where it's it's not the one that gets you the step that you need to get to the title, but it's the one right before that where you get a feel for like all those other pieces, which ancillary players are going to be on the team when you you know ultimately hopefully are in that discussion. And um, I, I I just I think that it, that's kind of like where we're at with this team right now. What what Josh Green will be. You know, whether Josh Richardson is a step up from Seth Curry with the way that they are built and, you know, what kind of role Tyrell Terry will play as well. I think that he's an interesting fit with the group. So, um, you know, I would have liked to see the Mavs make a more decisive move here, but I I think it totally makes sense that failing, you know, any real big fish being out there, they're kind of biding their time for next offseason, it seems like. Well, that's exactly right. This is a move to set them up and maintain that max cap space next offseason should uh, one of those top tier guys be available. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to <laughs> you have to like what they do with that Tyrell Terry pick is basically they pick a young Seth Curry and to replace Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's an interesting comp. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, yeah, I 
this is this is that one. I know I'm sure Mavs fans are a little bit impatient with it, but like, yeah. give it one more off season and they're going to be right there. I, th- I think one of those guys are likely going to be very much available for them. I, I would think so too, and I think this also has to be the year whether or not they determine can Kristaps Porzingis be a long term building block or is he just too fragile? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent agreed. And I don't know if. The guys that they've put around the, him this offseason are, are the ones that are going to help you make that decision as much as like he just needs to get out there and play. 100%. Yeah. And he, he won't be playing until at least January, which seems way worse than it is. But the season starts on December 22nd. So it's really yeah. not that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Up next, uh, the Denver Nuggets, you know, don't they don't do a ton. They add uh, Zeke Naji from Arizona in the draft. They add RJ Hampton from australia in the draft i don't know what accent that was what was that i i'm I'm gonna have to listen back to that and see how racist i am but um they also a really interesting signing is uh fasundo campazo he's uh arguably considered by a lot of people arguably the best point guard not playing in america he's from real madrid high level scorer kind of a spark plug type guy who they bring in they also signed you michael green this Denver team tied with Dallas at plus 2,200 at Bavada. What do you think of this roster? Yeah, I I, I was going to bring up Composo. See, I've seen a lot about what he might be able to bring right away. And, you know, the Nuggets do a lot of unconventional stuff. I think kind of similar to Dallas in that, like, and really Brooklyn in that, you know, they know that they, they're, if they're going to be better, those pieces are already on their roster. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've got, uh, will Michael Porter Jr. sort of take that next step? I, I mean, I think that that's that's really the the question. Jamal Murray certainly did last year, and so the Nuggets are a contender. They, I, I'm stunned they have the same odds as the Mavs because to me they're clearly better, um, and they're clearly a more competitive team even if they don't have the best player amongst the, that those two groups. But yeah, I mean, I I think that's kind of wishful thinking. Probably like I think everyone wants to see the Mavs be more interesting, but the Nuggets are just a really sound deep group, and uh, Porter Jr is is the key to deciding if they're going to take that leap and be able to beat the Lakers or if they're just going to kind of be the next team up, essentially. Great. This next team fascinates me just in the sort of weird direction that they're taking with this offseason. I, I would equate it to kind of like a Jacksonville Jaguars-esque uh, offseason <laughs> from last like year. And, comp, yeah. and that's the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons sit at plus 20,000 at Bavada amongst the absolute worst odds to be competitive this year. They add Killian Hayes, number seven overall. They add Isaiah Stewart in what was probably a reach, 16 overall. They add Sadiq mm-hmm. Bay, 19 overall. They add Saban Lee with the 38th pick. They trade for DeLon Wright. They trade for Zaza Musa. They trade for Rodney Magruder. They trade for Dwayne Dedman. They give a big contract to Jeremy Grant as a free agent. They bizarrely sign Mason Plumley and Jalil Okafor on the same day. They also sign Josh Jackson, take a shot on him. Uh, they do lose Luke Kennard via trade. He is the biggest piece. Also, Tony Snell and Bruce Bowen. They lose Christian Wood. They lose Langston Galloway. They lose uh, Brandon Knight, Thon Maker, etc. What do we think of this Pistons team? What are they doing right now? I mean, they just seem to me to be reshuffling decks or deck chairs on the Titanic. Like they, it's yeah. I I love. We both love Killian Hayes, but mm-hmm. I mean. I, and you know he could play right away and change the, the complete trajectory of this team but other than that like it just feels like they were swapping like for like you know I mean they trade for Deadman then they wave him 
So mm-hmm. really, that was just a salary dump essentially to go sign Josh Jackson and and Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't know. I guess Plumley. Um, I don't know. They it doesn't seem like they've gotten better by any means, especially trading Kennard and Christian Wood. Um, you know, it it just doesn't doesn't feel like they got any better. So definitely look like they're you know they added a couple veterans, but this is mostly about a team gearing up for the future and a future without Blake Griffin. Yeah, I'm just I'm so confused by this. They also finally bring over. Uh, well, finally, after one year, they bring over Davida Servatus, um, uh, the 37th overall pick in last year's draft, a six, big six eight lanky shooter, but who you know was well thought of going into the 2019 draft. But it's just it's such a bizarre roster. Rose is still there for reasons that aren't clear to me. Uh, Blake is still there for reasons that aren't clear to me. They signed Jeremy Grant to back up Blake, but they're paying him 20 million dollars a year. And all that does is make sure that there's absolutely no playtime for Sekou Domboya, who they drafted in the first round last year. Right. Uh, Sadiq Bey is buried behind people. Uh, Isaiah Stewart is probably the fourth string power forward behind Domboya. Mm-hmm. Just pick a, pick a direction. Let's, yeah. If we're going to go young, let's go young. If we're going to try and compete, let's try and compete. But you can't do both. They, I mean, the only logical thing I can think of, and I don't know if this is logical at all, but like, trading for trevor ariza i i mean but then they they completely deal him so then you know now you've got delon right i don't know maybe like trying to showcase a couple of these veterans to trade them and package griffin and uh and rose at some point maybe not package them both yeah. but trade them both away and you know open up some time because it, it's just like you said like it's just a disjointedly put together roster at this point I have to look at the contracts, but something that just jumps out to me immediately. Uh, if Blake can prove that he's healthy, does he make sense in that giant trade exemption in Boston? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. And then that would that would also make the Celtics getting rid of Gordon Hayward make a lot more sense, too. I don't know. You're right. I don't know how much more time is up on the Blake Griffin contract, but assuming he's got you know, less than two, less than three years. So two or one, I, I mean, that might make sense for the Celtics. Cause you know, they love that cap flexibility. So they wouldn't want to be on the hook for Griffin long-term, but if it would have been the same as Hayward essentially, then maybe they're thinking along those lines. That would make sense. Well, Blake has this year and a player option at 38 million next year. So that, Which that could go that. Uh, I think that goes either way, depending on if he stays healthy. Mm, you think he could get yeah i could see that I'm similar to not more, right probably not more in one season but more long-term money right, i'm just right. i don't know what that trade exception is i'm looking to see how much 25 was was 25 that or was it the oklahoma number uh i'm looking to see what he signed for hayward hayward signed for oh these are all estimates but the cap hits around 28 this year so it would have, I mean, depending on what else was involved. So, yeah, they wouldn't be able to absorb Blake outright, but I'm sure they could figure out something to do with a uh, giant, giant cap exception, um, mm-hmm. trade exception. Regardless, this next team, I, I would not have guessed that we were talking about a gamble free agent signing, a, a young potential free agent signing as the biggest moves that they made all offseason. The Houston Rockets sit at plus thirty three hundred at Bavada, and their big acquisitions this uh, this offseason signing Christian Wood and taking a gamble on Boogie Cousins. Yeah, what an odd 
odd offseason. I mean, yeah, you have to think that they put Westbrook out there on the market and oh, yeah. did not like what they were hearing. Um, or weren't able to get rid of him at all, given the, the albatross that he is on the cap sheet. So, mm. yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, they make some weird, bizarre moves. You know, they, I, I don't know. The Covington trade was just odd. It felt like it was a precursor to a Westbrook slash potentially Harden moves. Yep. And I I really just don't really understand what they're doing because then they add, like you said, they add wood and, you know, they, I don't know, they add they added some of the other pieces that you mentioned. I it's it's just a very confusing team. They feel to me like a team that could easily drop way way off next year. But do they? I mean, it's weird though, right? Because if Boogie is anything close to what he was in the past, then he also kind of changes this team. Christian Wood is an ascending player who can play some power forward. Like if they, I think they're the most volatile roster in the yes. NBA right now. In that, mm-hmm. like. I can see them going to the Western Conference Finals if absolutely everything goes right. I can see them blowing this team up before midseason if everything goes wrong. Yeah, I could see that too, both things. And I think, yeah, if that's you talk about a huge if. If Cousins is healthy and even remotely close to the player he was, then yes. But those are huge, huge ifs for, of course. for him specifically. So I'd love to see him get back to what he was, but it's just, it's an oddity. And yeah, how will Silas is roster from formation be different than what Mike D'Antoni brought to the table is is another thing to watch obviously because yeah if they go into more of a half court ish type game which I doubt but if they do you know could be could be something completely different for them for sure I'm just shocked that Harden didn't get traded after all the smoke behind it just I'm so yeah. shocked yeah me too offseason's well, not done yet but yeah well it kind of is you know, I training, guess it training is. camp's here um the trade deadline's not here yet. There we go. It has is not here yet. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the, well, the Indiana Pacers are up here. They do absolutely nothing. Literally nothing. They uh, they draft Cassius Stanley 54 overall, and they trade TJ Leaf to the Thunder. We're not going to bother talking about that too much. Uh, the Clippers, kind of interesting. They get Daniel Aturo at the 33rd pick. They take Jay Scrub, who was maybe the biggest draft smokescreen in the entire season this year, with, with the talk that Portland was going to take him at 16. Portland then later passed on him in the 50s. So I I don't think that was true. They do add Serge Ibaka uh, from Toronto and Nicholas Batum from Charlotte. What do you think of this Clippers team? Yeah, I like the pieces that they've added around the edges. Like I, I think the Batum deal could end up being a really interesting one as like a second unit type guy mm-hmm. for them. You know, it's so easy to tie Batum to his contracts for all these years. But now yeah. it, you know, you can't, you don't have to do that. So it's, it's a definitely a different story for them. Um, you know, Ibaka, he's not like this isn't the old NBA, but he's still a very useful piece, especially on this roster. So I think it's going to be, and I like Oturo a lot. I think that he can play pretty quickly for them. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I love Shamit. So that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, in my opinion, because I thought that he could potentially take another step this year. Yeah. But, um, you know, the you rest add, of it. You can add Kennard, so you still have a shooter, though. Yeah, yeah. And Kennard might be a better fit, you know, when all their guys are healthy and playing. So, yeah. Yeah, the Clippers are a really interesting group. And, um, you know, ultimately, it obviously boils down to those two main pieces. But I love what they've got kind of around the fringes. Tied for the third best odds to win the championship with the Bucks at plus 650. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, seems right. They probably. If they got matched up with the Bucks, they would probably be fa- they would almost certainly be favored. 
but mm-hmm. you know because of the conference that they're in and the amount of games they have to play against the Lakers it's understandable that they're even with them and by the way I'm gonna go ahead and call Bavada out here on something <laughs> the uh, the second best odds to win the championship belong to the Brooklyn Nets and Boy, that's just trying to capitalize on hype right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, it makes sense that they would of course do it that does. just because no one's fading the Nets right now. They're they're thinking, oh, like I can get on the ground floor of this. I'm, yeah, I, yeah, that, that seems a little, <laughs> a little bold. That is throwing your money away. That's that, uh, that gentleman, like, I don't know if you saw the, the story after the game, but a gentleman put $500,000 on the Seahawks. To cover yesterday and then the uh the eagles get oh. that hail mary at the end the guy drops 500 <laughs> grand for not even that much money this is just, i don't understand people who put crazy amounts of money down for not giant out not giant winnings for sure i yeah it's like they're trying to steal at the sorry at like at the fringes of oh let's do this like 50 or 1 to 50 odds type thing and then you know you find next thing you know you've lost 500k it's great uh, we've all we've all been there We've yeah. all been there. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's my minimum unit throwdown. Yeah, um, for for you know, for tax reasons, I'm going to say my it's not mine, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't. I just, regardless of how much money I had, I cannot imagine ever making a bet for five hundred thousand dollars. That just no. does not feel like a wise move to me. <laughs> Unless you were like. You had some insider, even if you had insider info, I feel like that, yeah, that would just never be the reason. Yeah, now we're talking about federal crimes. Yeah. So let's move away. Well, I guess the, the original one was too. So let's just move away <laughs> from this topic entirely and move on, move on to the Los Angeles Lakers. They, uh, after winning the championship, certainly did not rest on their laurels. They add Montrezl Harrell from the Clippers, West, uh, Wesley Matthew from the Bucks, uh, Marcus Gasol. From the Raptors, Markeith Morris resigns, Jared Dudley resigns, Costas Antetokounmpo resigns to a two-way. They also add Dennis Schroeder, uh, Jordan Bell, Alonzo McKinney via trade. How do we feel about this Lakers team who has the best odds to win the championship at Bavada at plus 230? Yeah, I mean, they've gotten better. That's all you can say. Like, they've clearly mm. gotten better. They lose Rondo, but they add other pieces. They lose Danny Green. They've, they've added other better players so i mean the montrez harrell is as good as they could have possibly done this offseason i think mm-hmm. um and markeith morris is is not a bad piece to continue to add here and or keep going and i yeah i mean i think that it's it's a scary group um but it's not by far the best in the league and you know the i think there's the looming shadow of anthony davis potentially doing the year by year thing um mm-hmm. kind of hovering over this roster so it feels like a last gasp type of roster build, but you know, they might have one more year in them too. I don't know. What's your perspective on that? I mean, it all just comes down to does LeBron ever age, right? Yeah. (laughs) At at what point does he start falling off? Because, you know, very few people in NBA history have as much uh, mileage under their belt than LeBron does right now. And he keeps Mm -hmm. defying odds by playing at a high, high level MVP level, not just, you know, he could be an MVP if things go right. An MVP favorite type level. It has to stop at some point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, age would say that would dictate that, but right, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it, so it's hard to believe no. that it might happen when it might happen. I don't want to spend too much time about with this next team other than to say the Memphis Grizzlies front office does an incredible job of maximizing what they have. You know, they don't pick, they don't have a pick until 30, which I believe they acquired via trade. 
and they get Desmond Bain at 30. They draft Xavier Tillman at 35, add Killian Tilly on an undrafted deal. This is just they more Brandon Clark level incredible value for the Grizzlies in the draft. Yeah, for sure. They they have done a really good job. Again, like they don't have a ton of resources yet, um, which they ultimately will, you have to think, to build around their young superstar. But like, I mean, I think that right now um, what they're doing is is really well done. And, and I think that, you know, it's one more year probably. I know that they, you know, they were right on the fringe of the playoff hunt, but like assuming mm-hmm. that they're not trying actively to be really good next year, they'll have another good player coming in in a really good draft and you know when they put that next to John Morant like you got to think that they're going to be able to take that that next step into where the Mavs are right now yeah they're going to become a really interesting free agent destination once these guys grow up a little Mm. bit too so um the Miami Heat also do very little they are sitting plus 1600 at Bavada among the the best odds to win the championship this year but all they really do Add Precious Achua via the draft. They uh, sign Mo Harkless. They sign Avery Bradley. This doesn't move the needle too much, right? No. Yep. I agree. Um, it. Yeah. I think they're they're biding their time for next offseason, and nothing they did really precludes them from that. Well, the team up next is uh, certainly not biding their time for anything. They're tied for the third <laughs> best odds, as I alluded to earlier, with the Los Angeles Clippers plus six fifty at Bavada. That, sir, is the Milwaukee Bucks. This team. Despite the fact that they had one of their major moves fall apart due to, I don't know, reasons and greediness through yeah. of Bogdanovich, I suppose, they the Bucks still just do a ton. You know, could not do better in the draft, adding Jordan Wara and uh, and Sam Merrill, two absolute sharpshooters, and they do this in the bot in the last sixteen picks of the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they add True Holiday via trade. Uh, they add DJ Augustine. Uh, Sauce Castillo, Nick Stauskas is back. Bobby Portis, <laughs> uh, Jalen Adams, trade Bledsoe, George Hill, uh, lose Wesley Matthews, Sterling Brown, Robin Lopez, Corver to this point, and uh, they wave Ilyasova. Marvin Williams retires. What do we think about the Bucks offseason? Yeah, it's like, oh, what might have been? Had that mm-hmm. Bogdanovich trade not get announced, I think you're looking at the Bucks as like a, oh man, they might be the most improved team. And this is a team that had the best record, right, in the playoffs mm-hmm. or in the regular season last year. So, um, I still love love the holiday move. Um, I, I yeah. think that you know, not getting Bogdanovich just opens the door even further for them to you know to re-sign him. And not that they wouldn't, as you pointed out a couple weeks ago. Like, I mean, you don't make you don't send over all those resources if you're not planning on keeping him. Um, but the DJ Augustine fit, I think, is is pretty interesting. As like their poor man's Brogdon kind of right. like poor, even somewhat similar to George Hill. Like basically when the Bogdanovich thing fell apart, they were essentially like, all right, we're just going to get a bunch of shooters and add Bobby Portis as well and just see what happens. So I think that it's going to be, it's going to be like the names are, are different, but it's going to be kind of like a similar type team, but just much better defensively, I think in the playoffs. And I, I, I like the competitiveness they bring to the table with holiday and Portis as well. So I like what the Bucks did this offseason. Yeah, I, I can't speak enough to what they managed to do in the draft with Jordan Wara and uh, and oh, Sam Merrill. I, I am such a great pick. Oh, Sam Merrill's he's one of my guys in this draft. I oh, absolutely yeah. love Sam Merrill from Utah State. And it's funny because you know, going into this, I said that there were there were two players in this draft who were so clearly trying to be copies of NBA players. 
One was Killian Hayes, who wants to be James Harden so badly, and you can see it in everything he does. And the other one is Sam Merrill, who wants to be Luka Doncic so badly that you can see it in how he plays, how he feels the game. And what's funny is Merrill's two years older than Luka. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I think that the world was cheated from seeing Sam Merrill, too, when the March Madness didn't happen. Both he and Nora, I think, would have had big marches and that might have kept them from being picked down where they were and so i i mean yeah i that's that's a hilarious comp with mara i always saw more of a sharpshooter type but like he, he's part. certainly a better shooter than luca no question about that but mm. when you just watch how he handles the ball how he gets to spaces how he rebounds for a bigger guy and he's two inches shorter but Watch Merrill play and try not to see like the Luca influence. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I love the Nuora pick just because like he's such a great big body two way type player from Louisville who also has that like I'm going to create my own shot type of mentality. And I know that yep. he maybe doesn't have the athleticism to do that at the NBA level, but he it's not going to stop him from trying. And I think when you can <laughs> find that guy at 45 who can also shoot like I mean, that's a great, that's just, I just cannot believe that he lasted that long. It just does not add up to me. So um, I, I think that the Bucks did a great job of fending for, for what they could after the Bigdanovich thing fell apart and, you know, might have, I don't know, I that would have really <laughs> been a tough thing for me to overcome if that was my trade that got blown up. For sure. Uh, up next, among the worst odds to win the championship this year, but certainly an interesting team, plus 20,000. At Bavada is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have the number one overall pick in the draft and take Anthony Edwards, a guy who on draft day said he doesn't really like basketball and would play, would quit for football in a heartbeat. Uh, so that's fun. Face of your franchise. Also draft Leandro Balmaro at 23, Jaden McDaniels at 28 and acquire Ricky Rubio, reacquire Ricky Rubio uh, from the, from the Phoenix, Oklahoma City Thunder via Phoenix Suns or vice versa. Um, they, they resign um, Hernan Gomez. Don't really, don't really lose much. What do we think of the Minnesota Timberwolves? Sign Malik Beasley too, right? That was a, a thing. Um, and so, uh, I don't think they did. I thought they did. No, I Malik Beasley. Re- oh, re-signed Malik Beasley. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That was like that's big not decision. N- not on my list for whatever reason, but absolutely did happen. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love adding Rubio back for a variety of reasons. I think that he's a good really good piece to bring along you know the rest of their roster and i mean him and russell like he has no pride about shooting does rubio so like giving the ball off to russell is is a fine combo there in their backcourt so i mean i think the the t-wolves are in a great spot to make that next step here and it's not (laughs) because of the guys surprisingly that they took at number one so um (laughs) but even then like edwards should fill a role as at worst, a defensive stopper in the second unit. Right? No, I mean, he's not a good no, no, player. no. He's a horrible defensive player. He's, a, he's, he's got, but I'm he, saying this is the role that they're going to have him but play. They're you have to want to play shooter. defense. You have to want to play defense, and he doesn't. If he doesn't want to, he's not going to play. Because like, there's nowhere to put him uh, in this lineup otherwise. You're, you're starting. Uh, Anthony, the number one pick in the draft is going to start. I'm not saying he should. He's going to. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the two next to D'Angelo Russell. And it's just, he's, he's going to get Rubio though. Rubio's not going to start in your mind. I think Rubio comes off the bench. I think they brought him as more of a mentor. I love Rubio. Uh, And, and that I forget who I sent this to. Maybe it was, I don't think, I don't think it was you, but 
because um, you you started watching the draft a little late. But I wondered yeah. if that Anthony Edwards was going to see time at the three at six foot three. That's oh man, maybe yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I can't see him. He's just so raw, and I to me I thought that he would be definitely at least the beginning of the season. I think you almost have to start Rubio over him. But, I, I mean, maybe he'll show something in the offseason that they feel like they – or, like you said, maybe you just have – the pressure is just there. You have to start the number one pick. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably that. Otherwise, your your fans, even though they may not have fans in the building, which could potentially make it a little more palatable to not start him, right. uh, would have that expectation based on sitting through that dreck of a season and having mm-hmm. to – uh Having no immediate reward from it. But uh, up next, the New Orleans Pelicans. By the they way, dra- we, we skipped past uh, a team that starts with G, if I'm not mistaken. Probably the most interesting or tough offseason. Golden started? State. Uh, H- yeah, we did. Uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I missed them on my list. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's talk about those Golden State Warriors. Um, plus 1,600 at Bavada tied with the Heat for fifth or sixth best wow. odds. The this this team really really is interesting not just because of what they've had to overcome they get Steph Curry back although I guess they got him back at the end of the year they add James Wiseman in the draft Nico Mannion in the draft uh, uh, they they trade for Kelly Oubre but the big loss is obviously uh, Dragon Bender and uh, I have, <laughs> they do lose Dragon Bender but the big loss is obviously Kate Clay Thompson misses second straight year with an Achilles can I tell you how impressed I am with the Golden State Warriors on Chicana. They have this trade exception from the Andre Iguodala deal, and they're in the repeater tax. Kelly Oubre makes $14.4 million, but because they're in the tax, he costs them $82 million to acquire Kelly Oubre Jr., and they did it without blinking an eye because they want to compete, and that's how great teams should run. Amen. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I I didn't know it was 82. I knew that they it vaulted them into the repeater tax and that's it's just i the warriors are the way you should run a team like and you know i think everyone felt bad for them with the clay thompson thing whether or not you like them i mean you should feel Mm -hmm. bad it's it's just a horrible thing mainly for clay obviously but for a warriors team that you know again bided its time last season to get to this point um and to lose him really just sucks but like you said i mean they i gotta think with all that in mind, like, oh, yeah, they want to stay competitive by trading for a guy like Ubre. Like, they, in my mind, probably have really big plans for him. Like, they, they mm. must think that there's something there value-wise that that maybe it's not worth $82 million, but that fulfills its, you know, the cost right there um, of adding him. So I think that what they're doing here, they're not just giving up on a season, and they're exactly how pro teams should operate. Yeah, you know, the lineup of, of Steph, Oubre, Wiggins, Draymond, and James Wiseman is it's pretty interesting. It's not what it could have been with Clay, but when you lose Clay this close to the season, to fill to fill that hole with somebody like an emerging player in Oubre, it, it's pretty fantastic to be able to pull that off. Right. And for what probably, assuming Steph is healthy, will be two second rounders. Yeah. So that's that's not really too bad, and uh, yeah, I mean they're and you know they'll be active if they're competitive. They'll be active throughout the season and mm-hmm. leading up to the deadline, and that's again that's just like exactly what you look for with a pro franchise. All right, we've only got a little bit of time here, so we're gonna we're gonna skip around a little bit. Although I guess we're gonna go back to the team that we were about to talk about because they had an interesting offseason in their own right. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. 
They draft Kira Lewis Jr. Uh, they trade for Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams. Uh, they sign Willie Hernan Gomez, Wenyan Gabriel, uh, Sandarius Thornwell, and they re-sign Brandon Ingram. The New Orleans Hornets sit at plus 7,000 at Pavada. What do we think of this team this year? I think that they came into this year planning on doing one thing in this offseason and then sort of changing course when they saw that the Bucks were willing to spend for Holiday. I yeah. doubt that they were like, all right, this is the offseason where we're trading Drew Holiday. You know, I think, honestly, I think that their plan was probably to trade Lonzo and mm. to see what happens with Holiday and Zion and then, you know, ultimately probably trade Holiday after this offseason. But, you know, they just got something that was too good to be true for them in terms of value. And, and um, you know, they capitalized on it. And I expect them to spin that forward again with Bledsoe eventually or George Hill, as you mentioned earlier, if someone's willing to jump up and take one of those guys off their hands. So while you mentioned a bunch of names, like they're, they're obviously the big trade for holidays is the one, but like the rest of it, they're going to look pretty similar to last year when they had Mm -hmm. just that massive overhaul of the roster. So I I think that the Pelicans are in a bit of a holding pattern as far as just seeing what Zion's going to look like this season. Um, And with Lonzo, I think that this is like their evaluation year with Lonzo as well. And then, you know, next offseason, I think, will be a big one for them in terms of, like, what they, how they look relative to the free agent class and, um, you know, what how good Zion is and, you know, whether or not they can build around him specifically as their clear number one guy. Yeah, and they gave Stephen Adams a contract extension when they re-signed him. They think he's part of their future, and uh, I, I like the fit next to Zion, but let's talk about... Let's talk about that Oklahoma City Thunder team on Chicana. The draft yields them Alexis Pokashevsky at 17, Theo Maladon at 34, and Vit Kresge, Kregsy at 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Pokashevsky wants to come over. I guess he is. I don't know that he should be. Wow. But uh, this team is plus 15,000 at Pavada also, uh, just for the record, but they obviously were active. They acquire Al Horford, they acquire Ty Jerome, they acquire Jalen LeCue, Vincent Poirier, uh, Trevor Ariza, Justin Jackson, George Hill, Darius Miller, and TJ Leaf. They trade Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Terrence Ferguson, Abdul Nadar, and Stephen Adams, uh, as well as uh, sign and trade Gallinari. They lose Nerlens Noel to the Knicks. Uh, boy, in this team, I think 17 first-round picks over the next five or six years. What do we think of where the Thunder are right now? Yeah, I think that the Thunder, you mentioned bad teams. Like, don't confuse a bad team with a poorly run organization. I think that they are are clearly the tank mode team this year, probably even more so than the Cavs, despite how good they were last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, you lose Chris Paul, it's just going to change the way that you look and you play every night. And I think the Thunder are clearly gearing up towards a number one pick next season, looking at Cade Cunningham and whoever else might be available um, in the top three. And so I think that Oklahoma City, is that's going to be that other, maybe the worst team in the league this year. Cade looks real good. Uh, I tell you what, yeah, he does. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to have a gigantic statistical season. His, oh, his, yeah. usage, his usage rate is going to be off the charts. Yes, yes it is. And <laughs> I don't even know, like, it feels like he just entered the league, but like, I don't know if he's going to, I assume he'll be one of the, the building blocks for that team, but he yeah. might age himself out of when they're actually good considering how many picks they've gotten the next five years. Uh, that's possible. Although the one thing I will say about this right now is that they have a lot of picks that project to be late first round picks at this point. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we don't, you never know what's going to happen. By the way, Shea is uh he's about 22 and a half. 
Okay, so, he, so he'll make it. <laughs> he'll make it. He'll he he's not yet too old for this Thunder roster, <laughs> but I'm shocked they're not. I'm not, I'm shocked they're not stashing Poku for a year or two though. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you don't really care about winning or losing, you're fine. Just get him in your building and your training program and, and just start it up. And I agree with you. I fully expected him to be over there. All right, the Philadelphia 76ers up next. My beloved Philadelphia 76ers sitting at plus 2,200 at Bavada, tied with the Denver Nuggets and Dallas Mavericks. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, so things have happened this offseason. Uh, <laughs> moves have been made. The roster certainly looks different. Daryl Morey's here now. Uh, in the draft, they acquired Tyrese Maxey with the number 21 pick, Isaiah Joe Woot Woot with the number 49 pick, Paul Reed with the number 58 pick. They trade for Danny Green. They trade for Terrence Ferguson. They trade for Seth Curry. They trade for Tony Bradley. That was a weird move. They trade. Uh, they acquired Dwight Howard and Ryan Brokoff as free agents. Also, they re-sign good friend of Joel Embiid's, finally throwing Joel a bone, Justin Anderson. Um <laughs> Al Horford's gone, Josh Richardson's gone, Zaire Smith is gone. That's the Tony Bradley trade, which I thought was weird, by the way. The Pistons made that trade so they can cut and stretch Zaire Smith and save $100,000 a season over the next three years. Ugh, wow. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, how, do, how do you feel about the 76ers as an outsider looking in? Dwight Howard. Dwight I, uh... Howard, baby. I, I like the <laughs> Dwight Howard. You're not going to do better than Dwight Howard as a backup center for a veteran minimum. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's that's not bad at all. I just I wanted to hear you say Dwight Howard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I'm gonna <laughs> defer completely to you. I, I, other than I'll just say that adding Daryl Morey is just a it's a such a great move, and it's it's gonna put them in position if it's not this year, then soon. The capable hands of you know one of the best roster builders in the league, if not the best. So I think that um, you know it's good things are on the horizon. I don't know personally as an outsider that this specific off season is going to put them in position to win the title that they want this year with these, with those two guys. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're aligning themselves in the right direction, I think to do that. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. What it did is it, it showed that this team understand, well, this, this front office understands how to make the stars of this team successful. You add the, the, the one thing you have to look at more than anything else is, is Daryl Morey is clearly clearly obsessed with true shooting percentage. And mm-hmm. that's what he brought in. He brought in guys who, if they shoot the ball, they're probably going to score the basketball. You bring in a guy in Danny Green who's a much better fit than anybody who was shipped out. And I mean, obviously it was Al Horford, but also a better fit than Josh Richardson was in that offense. Uh, you bring in Seth Curry, who is the single best catch and shoot player in all of basketball. That is the perfect fit next to a Ben Simmons who led the NBA in three-point assists despite having terrible three-point shooters around him. Um, you on, you bring in uh, Doc Rivers as the head coach who is the coach who Tobias Harris was playing for when he was a borderline all-star with the Clippers a couple years ago. So you assume that he knows how to best use Tobias Harris. Dwight Howard's fine as a backup center. Yeah, I'm... This feels like that 2018 roster a lot more than than last year, and it, this seems like the kind of roster that will be fun. They're going to run. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. I would imagine it's going to be a better team than last year. I would imagine it's going to be a team that likes each other more than last yeah. year, which was a cert- <laughs> certainly a problem. Matters you know, yeah. I'm super excited about Isaiah Joe. Maxi was a steal at 21. He wouldn't have been my pick, but I certainly think he's a steal at 21. And, uh, you know, Paul Reed, the 58 pick, is a fun two-way guy who, you know, could have very easily been a high second-round pick. 
So I feel good about this. And we get Ryan Brokoff back. We didn't get to see him in the bubble because his wife got coronavirus and now he's here. Probably not going to make the roster. Might play in Delaware. <laughs> there you go. I, I mean, you you ran down all of them. I Yeah, I liked, I think Maxi at 21 is is for sure an absolute steal. I Even Paul Reed at 58 is, is a pretty That's what I'm good saying. pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all those guys could be fits on the roster. So, yeah, and I mean... Again, just dealing Horford's contract off the roster is just such, it's so important, you know, like, I mean, it's, you know, maybe that 2025 pick ends up worth something, but who knows? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know that that's the type of stuff you just have to do um, to, to clear your books and put yourself in position when an opportunity presents itself to capitalize. That's something I don't know that the Sixers have done a great job of with the previous regime mm-hmm. and that they will do a great job of going forward, as we've seen with Maury being in on literally if any star was available, Houston was mentioned. They just they just were. And right. um, I think they're going to be in that spot with him now. Well, and the other really interesting thing to keep an eye on is they have both a trade exception uh, that they got in the Al Horford trade and a uh, and uh, the the taxpayer mid-level exception which they're planning on keeping until the buyout deadline so that they can make a competitive offer to a buyout player to add to this mm. roster later on, which you know is very often the difference in whether or not you get the high-end buyout guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, that and being competitive, and the Sixers right. look like they'll be both, so that's a good place to be. All right, Anshu, kind of last thing I have for you before we get out of here, the Philadelphia Eagles head to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Mm. Bavada has the Packers minus nine. How do you feel about this game? I mean, after watching the Eagles last night, I gotta think uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the Packers. I, I mean, it. Do you? I, here's the thing with the Eagles. I watched yeah, the Packers me. play the the. <laughs> I watched the Packers play the Bears last week, and the Bears looked like they had completely given up. Yeah, I did not get that sense from the Eagles. I think that the Eagles are clearly better than the Bears, so I don't think that they're they're as bad as you're gonna say that they probably are right now. But or like that they've given up on Doug Peterson in any way. But I'm. I'm fascinated because this feels like that last gasp. If they've got anything left in them as far as wanting to make the playoffs, it, it's got to be this week. And I, I don't know that I see it. I think Packers win by at least two touchdowns. The final thing I'm going to say, Pro Football Network, update your mock draft rankings, you cowards. Do it. <laughs> I want to pick six. That's it for this week's episode of the Underdog. For Achukana, I'm Chris Horwardell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.